Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Detour Life. Detour Life is a game changer for both family law professionals and clients alike. Detour Life is an innovative online program which guides clients to easily input and organize the exhaustive document and financial disclosure process and provides professionals with streamlined and secure case management. In addition, Detour Life has comprehensive client onboarding, a secure document repository, income and expense sync, parenting plan agreement features, and much more. I use Detour Life myself, and honestly, one of my favorite features, and one that my clients love as well, is that they can securely link all of their financial accounts directly to the Detour Life platform so that their information is automatically uploaded and updated as time goes on. So whether you're getting a divorce or are a divorce professional, I urge you to check it out yourself. Go to Detour Life, that's D-T-O-U-R dot L-I-F-E, and sign up for their free 14-day trial. Then use code SUSAN20 to get 20% off a subscription. Coming up on today's episode of the Divorce and Beyond podcast. The idea that you're going to have two people with... um, Orchids in their hand, um, uh, tiptoeing through a uh, garden, uh, and are the only ones going through a mediation, is a very outdated sense. Mediation has all levels of conflict. Hello, and welcome to the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host. As a top divorce attorney and family law mediator for 30 years, I know what you need to know to get through your divorce, and most importantly, how to move beyond it to thrive and transition to your new future. My experts and I are here to give you the insider view into the process, so listen in for the wisdom and expert information you need on your journey through divorce and beyond. Hello and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host, and today is a very exciting day for me at Divorce and Beyond because I have my friend, I'm happy to say, but also truly the the leading name in family divorce mediation in the world. Um, I have Forrest Woody Mostyn joining me today, and we are going to take a dive into those questions that you, my listeners, send me or ask me all the time about mediation. I thought, you know, with Woody, there's really so many things we could talk about, but why not get your questions answered from the biggest name in the business that there is? So first, I just want to I want to thank you, Woody, for taking the time today out of what I know is a very busy schedule to uh, come on the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm honored, Susan. So let me, you know, as I always do, I like my listeners to know the expertise and the and the level of knowledge of my uh, my guests. Now, I, I don't think when people hear the name Woody Moss, and I actually have to go too far into Woody's accomplishments. And I just mentioned to him, if I read through the entire list of accomplishments um, and accolades that Woody has in our field, uh, it would take up the entire 30-minute episode. So I will just highlight a few things. But it is important to know, Woody is still in mediation 
practice as well as a collaborative law practice, and he has offices in both Beverly Hills and my former home in La Jolla. Uh, we were actually uh, just a few streets apart for a short period of time when I was living in California. Um, but Woody specializes in high-conflict mediations, and I know a bunch of your ears just perked up because I get questions from you all all the time about can a high-conflict case be mediated? So Woody and I are definitely going to dive into that. Um, so he does family uh, matters, but also partnerships, employment disputes, probate, real estate, commercial disputes. I mean, Woody is is able to, it, it's really, truly the genius of mediation um, applied to any conflict or dispute um, or in, in many areas. He's also been honored by, I would say, probably every leading legal or mediation association in the world, including the American Bar Association, um, L.A. County Bar, Beverly Hills Bar. I recently, in February, was honored to be able to present him with the Southern California Mediations Association's first annual Family Star Award, which we named the Woody Mostyn Award. And so every recipient after this who receives it will be receiving the Woody Mostyn Award. Um, and we did we chose Woody because truly he exemplifies all of the best in our profession. So again, Woody, thank you so much for coming on today and, and really helping me dive into some of these mediation questions for my listeners. I just wish my mother were still alive to have heard this. Yeah. Well, that's such a tiny little part of of what Woody, what I could say about Woody. And and one thing I want you know everyone who's listening um, to me out there to know is you know one of Woody's greatest gifts. Um, he you know is a skilled mediator, a a top tier attorney. Is truly his. I feel is truly his ability to connect with people. Um, from the very first time I met Woody, which I'm happy to say is when I attended one of his trainings, um, I was excited to become a, a Mostyn-trained professional and attended one of his mediations a few years ago in Chicago. Um, and his, his, his giving back to the profession, Woody is, does constantly doing trainings and speaking to professionals to help share his knowledge and to, you know, people like you who are listening right now. Um, so, you know, Woody, let's dive into some of these questions um, that that I hear all the time as a mediator myself, but also just, you know, people who reach out, who listen to the podcast. And I think, you know, one of the, the first questions, and I hear this one most often, is how can you mediate a high-conflict divorce? Uh, that one comes up, I would say, every week. And by the way, everybody thinks they're having a high-conflict divorce. So I know you do high-conflict divorce mediations. What would you say to them? I'd ask the other question, how can you not mediate it when it's high? Both the parties and their dynamics are high conflict or their issues are incredibly complex. Those are the fertile soil for a horrible court litigated disaster. And the reason that people want to avoid court and make mediation their first call is there are often no way to predict how a stranger 
a judge will decide. In fact, the whole idea of turning over one's life to a stranger with that kind of power is not usually what someone who loves control and power wants to happen. They want to get their own way, their way, <laughs> and on their terms and in their um, uh, timing. And uh, the idea that you're going to have two people with um, orchids in their hand um, uh, tiptoeing through a uh, garden uh, are the only ones going through a mediation is a very outdated sense. Mediation has all levels of conflict. It has about the same demographics as are in the court system, about 10% low conflict. Those are the people with the orchids in their hand, and they very much um, uh, have a, an, an enlightened view of their new lives. Uh, second, you have um, the high-conflict people, which are about 10 to 15%, and they're the ones who um, clog up and flood the court system. And then you have about 80% of most of us who are moderate conflict. Life isn't going so well, or one person or both want to move on, but it's not easy. They may not be very good at negotiating during the marriage, and they're no better after they separate. In fact, it often gets worse. And so this is an opportunity for them to reorganize their family and to be able to do so in a way that doesn't hurt them or their children as much. And that's, I think that's a significant factor for people to realize is that mediation is an opportunity um, and you, you retain the control. I think people have that perception that they're going to go into a courtroom and you reference the stranger. I always call it the man or woman in the black robe, um, the stranger in a black robe. But they always go into that courtroom thinking, well, I'm just going to explain my side of things. And that person in the black robe is going to go, oh, my God, yes, you are 100% right. And I'm going to rule 100% in your favor. And you and I both know, as uh, you know, family law attorneys who have been in that courtroom, that almost never happens. Um, whereas in, and they're just going to decide what they think is best. Whereas at least in a mediation proceeding, you have input and there is no agreement until you agree and your, your soon to be ex-spouse agrees or your, your, you know, co-partner in mediation. Yes, they're, they're still family. And um, the one nuance about that, that, that we both experienced, Susan, it isn't the people who end up in trial. That is a very small percentage of those divorces. In fact, there is no state that has over 5%. And most states, um, 2 to 3% of all filed cases end up in a trial where the judge makes the final decision. Um, that is a, that's a really an attorney's work bill. Here, what I think people really need to compare mediation to are the traditional lawyers who are litigators by trade and perspective and 
who use that type of negotiation. We call it positional, uh, traditional uh, bargaining, as opposed to building an agreement with a trained facilitator or mediator. That's the real difference. And the real, it's a little like if, God forbid, you are um, diagnosed with cancer, would you go straight to a surgeon or would you want to work with an oncologist and all of her team before you end up with surgery using the least invasive intervention first? And that is what mediation is. And the teams that we put together in the mediation room are trained like oncologists are trained to diagnose and work less invasively, as opposed to lawyers who basically are good professionals, but they offer a very different product. And most consumers hire their lawyer first, not their mediator first. I think it should be the opposite, and hire a mediation team first, and then bring in mediation-friendly collaborative attorneys and trained professionals that work with us. Um, But that's going to take a long time because the culture is when people are going through a divorce, they don't even see it as a reorganization. They see it as a battle where it's a lot of win-lose. All of the well-meaning people in their life don't want them to take a risk in in working with the other person. They believe they need heavily octane representation. And they need that shark. That's right. And um, they, by the way, um, good litigators don't have to necessarily um, be horrible people. They're often very, very nice in the way they're, um, uh, they interview and the way they approach um, clients. Uh, they're they wouldn't get the clients otherwise. They know how to work with people. The problem is the way they're working is from um, um, getting the very um, best deal possible short of going to court or you go to court. And um, that doesn't happen in too many situations. In fact, the test of a mediation is not what the law provides. It is not what you deserve or you think that your um, uh, your spouse deserves. It is what you can live with. Can I live with this result? Because that's so. That's exactly what I say to my clients is you get to pick and choose what you can and cannot live with. And that's a big difference between that and this is what you're going to get or this is what you're going to pay. And there's so much control that you have in a mediation. If you don't like what's on the table, you don't have to take it. You can continue to talk and figure out options, and work in the situation in the mediation room. And the 90% of success, which is really 
what self-selected mediation uh, ends up to be, it comes through in the wash. It's like a, a golf handicap or a batting average at the end of a season. Uh, someone may have a bad day, but at the end, or a good day, at the right. end, you have a, an average that kind of you can predict. Um, and the same is true in mediation. 90%, I bet on that. So when I'm a lawyer and I have a client who wants to go into mediation, I will grovel. I'll do almost anything with the other lawyer to get the matter into mediation so that I can work with my client in the 90% category as opposed to lose all control. And that's whether I represent man or woman, whether I represent them old, young, rich or poor, um, sophisticated or not, I want the matter in mediation. And I believe many professionals bring the cases to you and me because they know that and they just like our skill set. And that's, I, I, and I appreciate it when we have colleagues who have that open-mindedness to a process outside the litigation process. You know, one thing I thought of when you were talking about the difference between litigation and mediation is when I was litigating and working on behalf of my client to advocate for them, you are very focused on what happened in the past and pulling the facts from the past. Whereas in mediation, when we are working in mediation, we are trying to work toward a new future. You used the word earlier, restructure, um, restructure that family, restructure their finances, restructure their world. That is forward focused, not focused on what obviously usually there's some negativity flowing from the past. Um, litigation is not a positive uh focused type of process so mediation uh, allow and, and the control factor mediation that factor that there is no deal until both sides agree that there's a deal so you, your power is always with you to continue to stay at the table and find something that you can live with to use your words but you used another word, and I, this is this goes to another question I hear all the time from my listeners, and that is you use the word team, build a team. And, you know, I, I so strongly believe in building a, I've always called my mediation style a collaborative mediation. Um, I mentioned to you earlier, so Woody was the keynote speaker at a conference I was speaking at uh, back in February, and the entire conference was built around Woody's keynote speech, which was about the power of the interdisciplinary teams in mediation. So I'd love for you to talk to the listeners about that power um, and about that just truly transformative option that they have in mediation. Well, how many days do we have, Susan? <laughs> uh, we have about is... 20 more minutes. No. Uh... <laughs> This is, um, this is our life's work. It's so important. And I have such admiration for uh, the colleagues that uh, join me at the mediation table. Um, so let's start. To me, the foundation of that team are the people going through the reorganization, the two parties, the family. And that is who you and I focus on. And 
they need to focus. And they may need some help in improving their communication and negotiation skills. Because if it didn't work so well during the marriage, um, it, you want it to work a lot better without us, even after the agreement. So one of the things mediation does is it tries to model and teach for them, especially if they have children, to be the very best parents that they can be and be the very best people that they can be. So many, so many divorcing spouses kind of go into, into future arrest when they go through a divorce. I remember having a client once, and uh, she had been married, I think, uh, three years, and she had a seven-year divorce. And I asked her, so what do you do? I was just trying to build some rapport, which is one of the things mediators try to do. And she said, uh, do, I don't, I, I don't have any time to do anything. My husband doesn't give me any money. So I'm constantly um, uh, um, having to uh, work here, work there, cut, cut um, uh, budget here and there. I said, um, I understand. But for a moment, I know you were divorced. And I know we have those issues. But tell me what kinds of things... Um, that you really enjoy. She goes, I no longer have anything that I enjoy. Um, I can't, I don't have my, when I go to a movie, my, my kids are so anxious that we don't even enjoy it anymore. And I never have time to actually go on vacations because I've got to get the kids back. In any event, she was divorce obsessed. And um, we had to kind of work with her. And I cannot tell you that it was a total... Um, Re, um, redo, um, but it was a little better. And one of the things that in mediation that we try to do is have very humble and modest goals. We're not going to try to change people. We're going to try to take them where they are, help them through probably the worst parts of their lives. And we do need a team for that in addition to them. A um, major part of that team are picking the right lawyers. Now, sometimes they've already hired lawyers going into the mediation, and those lawyers may have certain views of what is good for their clients and how the mediation should work. And you do the best you can with the deck that has, with the cards that have been dealt. On the other hand, if they make the first call to us, we can help them build their team. Uh, for example, um, you asked me to sort of bring out books and show. One of the books is a book I wrote, um, oh, it was about 10 years ago, called Collaborative Divorce, about collaborative lawyers, therapists, and financial professionals who have, there's a whole set of training, there's an organization that works with them in every community of people that are listening to this podcast, there will be a collaborative practice group. If you're thinking of getting a lawyer, go to that practice group because it's one of the things that I will ask people, um, do you have a lawyer? And some people will say, well, you know, if she gets a lawyer, 
I'm out of here. Or if he gets a, little, uh, a lawyer, um, uh, then I've got to get um, the person that I was referred to, but, but, but he's in trial right now. And so I would say, yes, you have a real choice of lawyers, but I'd like you to think of some of the qualities that you want in those lawyers. One, have they had mediation training or collaborative training themselves? So they know the product that, we're, that we are uh, working in, so they can be the most successful. Are they able to work with me, with my co-mediator and the rest of my team in a collaborative way, or are they control freaks and they need to do it their way? Are they willing to trust you and to make your own decisions, assuming you have informed consent and can um, and have the information to make those decisions? Big choices. Most people haven't thought about that. They just are going through a divorce. They ask their neighbor across the street, who seems happy with her lawyer, go, go hire him or her. And I think one of the jobs a good mediator does is assemble the good team. So the first note is make your first call to a mediator and then find the right mediator and build the team from there. I'd like to take a moment now to tell you about my favorite co-parenting app, FAIR. There are other apps out there, but FAIR is the only one that I recommend to my clients. We know that divorce is never easy, and when children are in the picture, it can be really tricky, especially when you're trying to communicate with your ex, and that's a challenge. Now there's an app with you and your kids in mind. It's called FAIR, F-A-Y-R. FAIR is the easiest, most intuitive, and conflict-diffusing co-parenting app on the market. It helps to eliminate misunderstandings while also improving communication between co-parents. Here's what the FAIR app can do. It has a time-sharing calendar, documentable text messaging, an expense tracker, a GPS check-in, and by the way, no one else has that, a monthly parenting report, a private journal, a file vault, and importantly, you can export all of the records into a convenient and time and date stamped PDF when you need it for your attorney or for court, and there's a Spanish version of the app as well. So subscribe at BeFair.com, that's B-E-F-A-Y-R.com, and then download FAIR from the App Store or Google Play. You can go to FAIR.com for more details and use the discount code SUSANG18 to receive 20% off. Stay tuned for more from Susan and her guest, mediation luminary Forrest Woody Mostyn on What You Need to Know to Succeed in Divorce Mediation. I don't believe that people benefit from doing an autopsy of their past life. I much rather have them in rehab where they are doing with their own work and the help, hopefully with a gentle but guiding hand to be able to uh, help them move forward. If you are enjoying this episode, check out Getting Back on Top Financially After Divorce with leading financial professional, Christina Lynn. 
The budget word can get under people's skin really fast because it's tedious and, you know, doesn't feel necessary. But I will say, even if you, you know, have a substantial amount of money and income coming in, you still need a budget because the tendency is always going to be to push your expenses to the limit and almost go past the point or if you're not already going past the point of spending beyond your income. And now we return to today's show. If you have children, there are therapists that can both coach you in your parenting and can also help be a good um, resource in the mediation to help your children go through what could be a very difficult time. And the same is true for finances. Um, most people, when they go to a lawyer or they've done some reading, they hear the word forensic accountant, and they, they, they cough up their breakfast because it's a <laughs> There are, I call them divorce accountants, who have been trained collaboratively and in mediation, who will join you and me in our sessions and do all the work that can be done at a fraction of the price because you're not having to do the litigation bells and whistles and give people information so they're not spending their children's college education and endowment on um, having to look backwards, as you said. I thought it was a great point you made, Susan. I don't believe that people benefit from doing an autopsy of their past life. I'd much rather have them in rehab where they are doing with their own work and the help, hopefully with a gentle but guiding hand to be able to uh, help them move forward. That's such a good point. And I'm so happy that you enumerated what someone should be looking for in a divorce attorney who's going to be their counsel going through mediation, because I don't think I've ever had a guest to do that. I'm going to highlight those three criteria in um, in the show notes for people, because I think that that's a really significant, you know, people ask all the time, what do I ask an attorney? Well, ask them if they're collaboratively or, or have had mediation training, you know, would he just laid it out for you what you should should be looking for in an attorney. Um, and that factor of, are they going to trust you? Will the attorney almost cede control to you? And by the way, it's your life, not theirs. I've said that to clients. It's not my life, it's yours. Um, so that you can make informed decisions. That's your attorney's job is to make sure you're informed. But your job is to make the decisions and in mediation. And that's the beauty. Like you said, you retain the control. I want to give a shout out to the American Bar Association Family Law Section, um, who have published three of my books, actually. And one of them is called, um, and there's a whole story of why it's called a complete guide to mediation, but it's the, the subtitle is How to Effectively Represent Your Clients in Mediation and expand your family law practice. It is, it is an entire book for, mostly for the lawyers, on how to work around a mediation table. Because just like oncologists have very special training 
in working with their patients and doing and being diagnosticians. Lawyers are not always trained that way. They may know how to take a good deposition, cross-examination. They may be able to draft beautifully and negotiate hard situations. But to work their way around a mediation table, in fact, um, someone asked me, so you like the lawyers that suck up to you, huh? I said, no, <laughs> not necessarily. Actually, it's not so bad. Um, but actually, I want the lawyers who are open to learning from me because I want to learn from them. A, a, a good collaborative lawyer knows her client, will be able to present that client in the, in the most favorable way to me, will try to understand the other side's needs, and will work the mediation room much more effectively for her client than will someone who is a surgeon and is working most of the time in court. And so get the kind of help that will um, uh, make you a success in mediation, and it may not be the same help that you would have if you are going to a trial, the 2 or 3% of the people who actually go there. Now, here's another little tip. If you've found the person that you really want to represent you if it gets ugly, put that person on reserve, even pay a little deposit, and then have that person take care of all of his other cases and hire a mediation-friendly lawyer to work in the mediation. And if the 10% of, of the time comes where the mediation didn't work and you have to go to court, you have your gladiator. You have the person that you really trust. And That's a great point. I, I don't really, think I've ever heard anyone say that before, but it's a brilliant point. Why not have a, an attorney in reserve? Have your shark in the tank waiting yes. to go. Here's a, what they shouldn't do, because I consider it to be unethical and in bad faith. Some people will interview every lawyer in town to try to conflict them out. Yes. Uh, I won't work with someone like that because they're, they're not playing off the top of the deck. Um, so you interview as you have to, find the lawyer that you want to put on reserve, and then work with your mediator um, in finding the right um, uh, team member for your mediation. Yeah, and I, that is such a wonderful summary and pulls it really together, I think, so that people understand really the role of your attorney in the mediation process is so critical, but the choice of the attorney is really where it all either comes together or falls apart. Um, and, and your point that there, just as in any profession, oncology or whatever it might be, there are different styles, different people, different personalities. So find the one that works both for you and works for your process. Right. Um I'm thinking of something that I had on, on, on uh, Tuesday morning. Um, uh, we're almost, I've written the agreement they, they, in, in, a, in a divorce or sometimes 250 or 300 issues. They're all written. They're all down. And we're down to 
the, re, the draft language of two or three. And I'm going to be meeting just with the lawyers, the two collaborative lawyers via Zoom on Tuesday. But one of the issues really bothers um, uh, uh, one of the spouses. It's, a, it's an issue about what happens if um, they need a stronger um, therapist, not just a therapist who's going to counsel, but somebody who's some called a parenting coordinator, someone who, who has a heavier hand and right. makes recommendations. And so I got an email yesterday. The lawyer and his client want to talk to me before I speak with the two lawyers about this issue that the, um, the client is concerned about so that the, the client knows that I understand um, his, his concerns and needs and, and that sometimes, actually, you might have an idea or I have an idea that the lawyers haven't thought of because we're not as close to it. Mm-hmm. And they want the benefit of our thinking. Mediators are problem solvers. Mediators are option, what do they call them, those those, uh, energetic bunnies? uh, Energizer bunny. Energizer bunnies, yes, for for the batteries. Yeah, we we basically never give up on options. So um, it isn't a yes or a no. It is let's find something that works. And we don't give up, you know, to say that, that we have a different process doesn't mean that we're not persistent and that we don't work hard. We do. It's we're um, both at the end of a mediation session. We're drained because we work pretty hard. Yes, it is exhausting sometimes. Yes. Well, so that leads actually to another question that um, that I want to be sure that we get to because this one comes up all the time as well. And you're talking about coming up with all these options. I hear from people all the time that say, there's no way that we can mediate because my spouse will never agree to anything. They're, they're just because I want it, they'll say no. It, what do you say? To, I, I'm sure you hear it. So what do you say to those people? Different things at different times sometimes, but um, one of the things I often say is, you may be right. (laughs) You may be right. And um, you just have to decide if trying it is a waste of your time and energy, and you want to go straight to another process. On the other hand, in my experience, that other person may be saying a similar thing about you because the two of you haven't necessarily met each other's needs in your marriage. And you've had enough post-marital conflict so that you could believe the other person isn't working in good faith or doesn't care about you and what's important to you and will never, ever agree. That's possible. But I will tell you, When faced with trying to work it out with a witness, with a trained facilitator, they may never have done that. And I don't give up easily. (laughs) If it doesn't work the first time, we may need, and I'll tell you what just happened with a a couple I was working with. Um, uh, 
in that situation, um, uh, one of the parties was um, very, very um, hurt because of what happened um, in the marriage um, and um, impaired because of um, alcohol and some other um, reasons. So that's also an issue. Uh, we don't have Certainly. perfect clients. Our clients are, are just as impure and imperfect as everywhere. And so he, he just basically said, no, 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 no. I won't do it. I'll fight. I said, okay. Um, I don't want to waste your time and your money. Um, why don't we, um, each of you, get a lawyer? I will make a recommendation uh, to each of you of a collaborative lawyer of several names. And uh, we won't meet again until you have your lawyers in the room with I got an email a day later. We settled everything. <laughs> oh, no, not lawyers. So it isn't like... It isn't like they were about to go into the gulag. Um, it was that um, they didn't want to either have to spend the money or have a, their own lawyer tell them what I was basically saying or have the other lawyer tell them what I was basically saying, and they might as well make a concession. Now, people find a way to resolve, and we try to do it. So no one has um, uh, has to lose face, so that they can work up together in the future for graduations and weddings and seeing grandchildren. It's very important that they get through this very difficult time. And that's you know such a wonderful visual picture to end with, right? That people in this situation are always often focused on the hurts of the past, but there is so much ahead of them in their future. Some of it will still be together if they have children. And it's just one more reason why trying to restructure rather than destroy is is a wonderful option. So I knew this, this time was going to go by so quickly, but I don't want to uh, end without talking about, I mentioned earlier that Woody is incredibly generous with our profession and um, is always conducting trainings and, and really bringing his wealth of knowledge to our field. Um, and I'm very excited because I personally am so honored that I am going to be conducting some trainings with you, Woody. So um, that is for me pre pretty much a career highlight coming up. We have a 40-hour divorce mediation training coming up that sold out in September of this year, uh, but that we're doing again in January. So I'm, I'm so looking forward to that. Thank you for, for giving me that opportunity. I'm the one who's honored. Um, uh, your expertise and experience online and to be able to educate, you're a tremendous educator. I've always said that a mediator's main job is that of educating clients. And you do it not just one-to-one, -one, you do it um, uh, throughout society and with the various um, media that we have. And to have you in the room so that the, uh, so along with your mediation and legal skills, so that our students can learn from that perspective as well, that's a blessing for me.
Yeah. Well, I'm excited, and I think we've created something new and special for our colleagues who want to, you know, venture forth into the family mediation field, add this to their skills that we actually even have a large number of experienced family law attorneys and mediators uh, coming to take this training. So um, I'm excited. And then there's another advanced mediation training in November of this year that um, you're giving and you've been kind enough to ask me to be um, sort of a, 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 a fly on the wall for that one as well. So I'm very excited for that one as well. I I will put information about these trainings in the show notes, um, or people can go to your website. So why don't we make sure people know how to get in touch with you um, or find out about the trainings? What's the best way to get in touch with you, Woody? Oh, gosh. (laughs) The one thing I hate doing is talking about myself. Uh, Well, I can talk all about you. All right. Well, you can, but it's hard for me. Anyway, um, uh, my uh, website is www.mostonmediation.com. My um, uh, phone number is 310-721-4291. And I am 100% online in my practice and in my training so that uh, no longer uh, do people have to drive um, uh, an hour and a half across Los Angeles, um, they can be um, in Sri Lanka um, or in New York and get on Zoom right away. Yeah, well, let me point out, when I took a training with you, I flew from San Diego to Chicago. And then, I so funny little story for everyone. I remember being in Chicago for that training, and it was in March. It was freezing, and it snowed the entire yes. time, all six days. And I remember being in that airport saying, I am never going to Chicago in the winter ever again. And let that be a lesson to you people who are listening just five months later, I moved to Chicago so for my husband's job and left my beautiful San Diego. So I will never say never again. I learned my lesson. But I will put links to Woody's website, his Wikipedia page. Um, if I, I only brushed on Woody's many great accomplishments and accolades. So I will, I will have a page or more of of his bio and information there as well um but everyone you know please go go to Moston mediation woody also has a, a number of resources and videos and and his books um available on the website so please you know go to the website to uh find all of those or in the show notes and woody i just want to say thank you so much for taking the time today uh we hit on some some big topics for my listeners and i know they're they're really going to appreciate this well, thank you, Susan. And as I mentioned to you earlier, I was doing a training um, to uh, that came out of New York, and I mentioned that you and I are now training partners, and the room went crazy. A lot of those people follow your podcast. They um, have taken your webinars, so they were very, very excited to hear that we've teamed up. Well, I think we, I think we, we have a little bit of a dynamic duo thing going on here. So I get to be Batgirl. You can be Batman. <laughs> we'll help. Uh, we'll help our colleagues come along. So uh, thank you again so much. Thank buddy. you. Susan. 
Thank you for joining me today on the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I hope you found some information and inspiration to help you on this journey. Please join me every Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for a new episode. And if you like the show, please take the time to subscribe and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. You can also find more information on the website at divorceandbeyondpod.com where you'll find links to the YouTube channel, transcripts of the episodes, and other bonus content. So I'll see you next week to help you move through your divorce and beyond. Thank you.